I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack, and thank you so much for joining. I'm really honored to bring my guests on today, Israel Silva. Israel and I went to high school together, and there was a moment in high school where he had a tremendous impact on me. He's a year younger than me, but he has a huge presence, and I've always considered him a beautiful soul. I happened to have a dream a few weeks back, uh, and Israel showed up in the dream. And I reached out to him on Facebook and said, hey, I don't know you know, what you would think of this. It probably sounds weird, but I had a dream of you where you stood up for me in my dream. And it's very similar to what he did in real life more than 20 years ago. And he and I reconnected, had a beautiful conversation. And I said, I have to have you on the podcast. I need you to share your story and, and your heart with the world. So I'm really honored to bring on Israel Silva. Now, Israel's background is incredibly impressive. He is a wrestling coach and a wrestler himself. He's a state champion wrestler in college. He uh, two-time All-American in um, in the junior college that he went to and then went and uh, wrestled at D1 school. But I want to read his, his highlights, his bio, because I think this is incredibly impressive. Once his collegiate wrestling career wrapped up, Israel Silva put together an impressive post-collegiate career on the international wrestling stage. He is a four-time world team member for Mexico, three-time freestyle Pan-American medalist, and was a 2012 Olympic alternate over his seven years of international experience. He is, like I said, a two-time junior college All-American at North Idaho College, and he placed second at the national tournament his sophomore year and was a third as a freshman. Silva led the team to the junior college national championship in 2002. Like I said, he won state title as a junior and then wrestled for the state title senior year. And he'll talk about that experience, but truly it's not about his stats as a wrestler. It's about his heart and who this man is. And we need more men to step into the fullness of their masculinity, but also come from the heart, which Israel does. So I'm really honored to bring my brother on and I hope this blesses each and every one of you. Well, brothers and sisters, like I told you, this man right here, Israel Silva, is a blessing to me. And I don't use that word lightly. Israel, brother, thanks for coming on the podcast. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, man, it's 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 going to be beautiful. Man. So, you know, I, <laughs> as all uh, good reunions happen, I reached out to you and said, hey, man, you were in my dream. Uh, the other night and I pinged you and I didn't know, you know, truly I wasn't sure how much you would remember me or connect, you know, like if you would have responded at all. And it, it was such an honor to get a message back from you. And then we hopped on a call and, and I was just beaming. I've told my wife, this man, your family is beautiful. The impact I see you have, and you're a leader of men and you are an example of what men get to be in this world. So brother, thank you for, for responding to the call when I reached out. No, of course I, I had no reservations at all. Like I was looking forward to, you know, seeing what you were up to what's going on, you know what I mean? So it was, it was a pleasure of mine. Man. So we, we met in high school and you, I just knew you as one tough, tough, tough dude, but incredibly big heart i always knew you had just the biggest heart and you and and i don't know if i would have said it said it back then because i didn't have the language set but in hindsight you loved people you know and yeah. and where we grew up was pretty rough there was there's was a lot of hurting a lot of hurting kids that hurt other kids on the regular and yeah you know you and i kind of i think with all that you were an athlete i was an athlete but then there was these other crowds that could pull people in. And I think we we're all kind of in, but on the 
the peripheral of those crowds. Yeah, I think we we did enough not to get in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. We, we kind of we we towed the line a little bit, but we kind of you know came to our senses and like ah, that's that's a little too much. You know, what I mean, yeah. let me let me pull the reins back a little bit. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, I want to hear about your story of how you even came to to Marysville, Washington, where we we met, but also you've been on this incredible wrestling journey and uh let's so before we get into wrestling i mean explain your life or where you were born and how you ended up coming to marysville where you and i met all right um i was born in mexico ensenada mexico and you know didn't spend much time there i was not even one years old when when i was able to you know illegally come across the border Mm. now yeah. Um, so I lived in Southern California, Orange County for about 10 years. And then in, uh, early nineties, my mom remarried and moved us from, uh, Southern California to, to Layla Indian reservation, right, right outside of Marysville. Wow. Um, but my mom, you know, I had a lot of, uh, cousins and, and different family members that weren't doing the right things, gang members, you know, different things. And my mom kind of noticed that I was, uh, intrigued by that, you know, and she wanted, she wanted that nothing, you know, for me to do with that, yeah. you know, so she had the right of mind to, to kind of move me and my sisters to, you know, Marysville, Washington, mm-hmm. you know, and it was out of like fear that she didn't want to see me in jail or, or dead, you know, as I grew up, because that was the path that uh, my family was on, you know, and that was probably uh, the best decision my mom ever made until to this day, mm-hmm. we speak about it. And my number one motivation for everything that I do, everything that I've accomplished uh, has been my mom and mm. her thinking about that and moving us out of Southern California. So any uh, title that I've won, any degree that I've earned, you know, I always say it, it's for my mom and the motivation was to make my mom proud. So yeah, mm. she moved us in the early nineties and we, and we, you know, moved there Indian reservation, you know, way different than Southern California, but you know, I kind of started being around, you know, uh, you know, natives from the Indian reservation and other people, and then just got into sports, you know, and I think if I was in Southern California, I would have never, you know, been involved in sports, you know, so I, with the, I'm also grateful for the Tulalip Indian reservation. They, I thought I was a, a Native American. I was part of the tribe because I was there <laughs> and they paid for all my trips and I traveled, travel basketball, like all these things, you know, and then I still, you know, go back and speak to elementary schools out there. But wow. yeah, so I, I moved into Washington when I was about 10 years old. Wow. Wow. And when did you get your first taste of wrestling? That's a good story. Uh, so I was at the Marysville Middle School and, you know, I still had a little bit of that, uh, you know, street mentality, you know, when I was in Southern California and I was getting suspended from school, you know, and I don't know if you know, uh, Mr. Lowry was the principal back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think you went, you went to Cedar Crest, right? I went to Marysville Middle School in my sixth grade year and then switched to Cedar Crest. So I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Lowry, you know, he was the middle school um, wrestling coach. And and I also had Mr. Shaw, who was my homeroom teacher. They were the wrestling coaches. So Mr. Lowry said, hey, I won't suspend you if you come out for the wrestling team. Mm. You know what I mean? And that that conversation changed my life. Wow. You know, and before then, you know, I, I played, you know, I was, I was – I was a big kid. I was a heavyweight, you know, yeah. all through my career, but I played, you know, travel basketball, you know, select soccer and all those things. So I was an athletic heavyweight. So then when I switched over to wrestling, my first two years of wrestling, I never lost a match because I was big, strong and athletic. I was like, man, I'm the man here in this individual sport. I'm, you know, I'm maybe going to make the middle school team, you know? So I just put all my eggs into the wrestling basket and then started wow. wrestling year round at uh, uh, my eighth grade year. Wow. Amazing. You know, I I actually remember when I was in sixth grade at Marysville Middle School in PE, they still had wrestling. They had you wrestling. They don't do stuff like that, I don't think, in schools anymore. No, and they should. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. we had a, you know, like a wrestling unit. I think it was, I don't know how many weeks, but then at the end of it, you wrestled in this tournament in front of the whole school. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think that was the best thing for kids. You know, I mean, uh, get them out of their comfort zone. You know, get them to taste defeat a little bit, a little discomfort. You know, and then let them let them deal with it. Mm. Well, I've never wrestled besides that PE experience in in uh, sixth grade. But for you to get in the mat on the mat with another 
with another guy. What what goes through your mind? What went through your mind when you were early on and what continued? Early on, you know, I just I love the attention. You know, I mean, because I was the big man on campus, I never lost. You know, I mean, I I would pin guys right away. So early on, it was about the attention, mm. you know. And then, like I said, I don't know if you remember Tom Shaw, Mr. Shaw, yeah. uh, homeroom teacher. He passed away, you know, and I was fortunate to speak at his funeral. But mm. he was my homeroom teacher, you know what I mean? So we we had a wrestling unit in homeroom, you know. But, you know, his son, Brian Shaw, and they kind of opened my eyes to, like, college wrestling, Olympic-level wrestling, wrestling around the world and stuff like that. So I was like, man, I, I want to wrestle – Actually, if another funny story, even before I got really serious, Mr. Shaw, he's like, hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, hey, I want to play basketball at Georgetown. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, Izzy, there's not very many 5'10 Mexicans playing college basketball. You need to wrestle. You know, so he kind of like shot my dreams down to play college basketball at Georgetown. You know, that's when, you know, Alonzo Mourning, you know, Patrick yeah. Hewitt was coming at Georgetown. I thought I was going to be seven feet tall. That's awesome. Um, but he kind of shot me down and said, hey, let's be a wrestler. You, you can actually have a, uh, you know, uh, a shot at wrestling, high-level wrestling and wrestling in college. So really from that day, that's when I started wrestling year-round. Wow. And then I just got consumed by it. You know what I mean? I, I followed it. I read. He had all these, you know, magazines of USA Wrestler. And I would, every single day, you know, I wasn't the best reader. So he said, hey, read this. You know what I mean? So he was teaching me how to be a better reader, you know, but then he's also kind of exposing me to like, you know, the wrestling world, wow. you know, from that day I was consumed by the sport. Still, I am consumed by the sport still to this day. Amazing. Amazing. So when, when you and I, I think when you and I first met, even though, you know, I'd known who you were for, through sports in, in town, but was in high school and high schools really when you started getting statewide attention right yeah yeah um you know back then the high school was you know just 10 11 12 remember that you know the the junior highs were eighth and ninth grade so yeah. as a freshman i would take the bus to the high school because i made varsity as a freshman you know for the wrestling team wow you know so i'd bus to the school and i you know i was wrestling on the varsity team i qualified for the state tournament my freshman year you know what i mean so wow. then i was already you know got a bigger taste of it you know and then my sophomore year when i was at the high school i was one of the only sophomores that started on the football team wow. you know on the defensive end you know if you remember that yeah. you know so it, it just i think it came natural i was an aggressive kid i was an athletic kid and i and i had even back then i had the belief in myself like i didn't care about upperclassmen i didn't care about this like i thought i was going to win the state championship as a freshman Mm. You know, and I, I was like, why can't I try out for the football team as a freshman? You know, I mean, I, I had a uh, naive belief in myself back then. But a but a beautiful self-belief. I mean, that, that that's a gift to have, you know, that yeah. belief in self. Let me ask you this. I, I don't know the answer. I don't think we've ever talked about it, but where was your dad? And did you do you have any contact with him? No. So um, my dad. Later on, as I got older, I, I I was raised by my mom and my aunts, my uncles. Mm -hmm. But my mom, uh, when we were very young in Mexico, uh, she left my dad. You know, so my dad was an abusive uh, person, you know, very abusive to my older sisters. He actually mm -hmm. had, I believe, 29 kids with 11 different women. You know, it's yeah, it's it's wild. Um, wow. And still to this day, some of the siblings on the Silva side like try to reach out, but I was like, I, my sisters have contact with them. I don't want any contact with them. It's like I, I don't, yeah, I don't need them in my life. I've never, I don't, I don't yearn to like know that side of the family. Yep, I get it. But yeah, uh, and then when I was in seventh grade, uh, he passed away. Hmm. You know, but I felt no emotion, no attachment, nothing. It was just you know, I moved on. I have a, I have a stepfather. My mom got remarried after she got married. Uh, to my who she's married to now they've been married for about 20 years uh and mm -hmm. i consider him i know he was he was around later in my life but i give that man all the beautiful. respect and the glory to like call my father beautiful brother you know i mean he, he, he's oh. always been there he's he's wonderful to my mom you know he's he's a he's a great man you know his name's mm -hmm. richard rice and uh he's the guy that i call my father mm, beautiful beautiful did that give you 
did you have a chip on your shoulder? Do you feel like from, did you, was that ever a drive of proving your, your, your masculinity, your, your manhood in some way? Not at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. I think my, my biggest drive, like I said, is my mom. Cool. Yeah, I mean, she, to me, she's the strongest person that I've ever met. Yeah, I mean, she would work two jobs. She'd work, you know, at the Motel 6. You know what I mean? And she also, like, showed us to be self-sufficient. You know what I mean? We're, me and my sisters, when we're in, you know, elementary school, middle school, like, we were cooking dinners mm -hmm. because we wanted to have, my, we wanted our mom to come home and have a home-cooked meal. Wow. You know, we weren't waiting for her. We were doing our own laundry. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. she was, she was all in, in my sis, my siblings and I, you know, we've all gone to college. We all have degrees like, and it's because of her, you yeah. know? So there was no chip on my shoulder. I think the void of not having a father uh, was filled by awesome wrestling coaches that I had, you know, when I first started, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, coach Lowry, coach Shaw, uh, you know, coach Iverson at the high school, you know what I mean? And then even it continued, you know, in my college years, like I've had strong uh, mentors, father figures in my life that i never felt that I missed it or had anything that I was missing. That's amazing. That really yeah. is. That's really beautiful. Uh, so your senior year, were you wrestling the same guys? Like, were you competing year after year from when you were like freshman? You, you probably, I mean, those guys probably graduated off, right? You were grad, you were wrestling seniors, I'm sure at the time or juniors, right? When you were younger. Yep. Yep. I wrestled upperclassmen. They graduated. Um, my sophomore year, you know, I was probably still a little bit too young. You know what I mean? I took uh, uh fifth or sixth in the state. I can't remember. You know what I mean? But then, my junior and senior year, junior year, I won a state title. I think I won 80-plus matches in a row, you know, my junior senior year. And I got – I don't know if you know this or remember, but I got upset by my last match of my year – of my senior year. That's right. So I was I was going for my second state title, 80-plus matches in a row, and I got upset in the, in the finals. But it was deserving. You know, I, I kind of got lazy my senior year. I hadn't got touched. You know what I mean? I probably wasn't doing the right things. I was partying a little bit and then I took it for granted. So the motivation that I had to win my first night title, my junior year, it wasn't there my senior year, wow. you know, because it became easy, right? you know, and it kind of bit me in the butt. Which, what'd, what'd you learn from that? I, it drove me. I think that win drove me to wrestle. I probably wrestled 12 years uh after that match you know i mean i wrestled two olympic cycles after that but i was like i never anytime i stepped on the mat after that i left no stone unturned i made sure that mm -hmm. i was as strong as i could be i was prepared as i could be you know studying film studying my opponents and i was in the best condition of my life wow. you know i mean i never left it to chance because the only reason i lost because i was out of shape he wasn't a better wrestler than me he just they had a good game plan and they slowed me down and i kind of uh, got gas in the match and I lost in overtime. Yeah, you know I mean, so wow. everything that's in, you know, anything that's in my power, you know, those three things, the, the study, the conditioning and the strength and the preparation. I made sure that I did that, you know, going forward. What a great lesson that you could share though, to win, expect to win the second time, but you didn't, you, you weren't there mentally. And that's amazing. That yeah. And that's, and that's the a life lesson that I, um, give to my boys now mm. you know anything that that's in our control we're going to make sure we have that you know what i mean the wins and losses will take care of themselves but anytime you guys step on the mat you're gonna feel prepared you're gonna know that we've done everything in our preparation uh to give us the best chance of winning wow where'd you go after high school after high school like i said i was getting recruited a lot of division one schools but um with my mom you know my mom didn't go to school past fourth grade you know what I mean? So academics weren't a thing that she knew about and neither did we, you know what I mean? I, I didn't know until it was time to like get recruited and send my transcripts to schools that I was way behind mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to qualify to go to division one, you know? And I was like, man, so I went to junior college. I went to North Idaho junior college in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And that was to me, that was a blessing, you know, to be there as well. You know, I went there and, I was a two-time All-American. We were team national champions. And then I got to go to Division One after that. Wow. So I went to the University of Tennessee uh, at Chattanooga. That's so cool, brother. Yeah. It's so cool to see different parts of the country like that too, Idaho and then Tennessee. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you know, I was highly recruited out of junior college 
And uh, at the time, you know, this guy named this coach named Terry Brands, you know, I mean, they're at the University of Iowa now, him and his twin brother, Tom and Terry Brands. He called me. And like I said, I was a student of, of wrestling. I followed the Olympics. I followed NCAA. So he called me and he, I didn't know where Tennessee Chattanooga was. I didn't know what division was, what it was. I said, I want to go wrestle with that guy. Mm. Like, that's the guy that, like, he put it in my mind that you're going to wrestle and try to win world Olympic titles. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so I credit him, you know, I mean, the, why I wrestled two Olympic runs, you know, post-college. Amazing. What'd you learn through, I mean, wrestling is very personal. I mean, that individual sport, but I mean, it's, it's as primal as it gets with strategy. I mean, you're putting yourself and your soul and your body and your will out there. What have you learned about yourself, but also learned about humanity, I guess. What, what? I think what I've, what I've learned the most is I've had, like many setbacks, you know, I mean, you know, setback in high school or losing, you know, setback of having to go to junior college right away, you know what I mean? And then uh, being ineligible my first year at Division One, you know what I mean? And then only getting to wrestle one year, you know, at the Division One level. Like, I, that could have easily deterred anybody, like, oh, man, this isn't for me. Maybe I should do something else. Mm. Having my first child my junior year of college, you know what I mean? And, and my, my wife and I, you know, having to do that, like, but I had a goal, like I wanted to wrestle in the Olympics and I had a goal that all I wanted to do was be a college wrestling coach, mm. you know what I mean? And give back to other people. And I never, I never thought that it was never going to happen, you know, and I was an alternate for the 2012 Olympic games. You know, I missed, uh, making the, the Olympics by one point, wow. you know, but it, I look back and I was like, it, it it was less about making the Olympics, but it was about the journey, the network, the people. I, I traveled to 30 different countries. Like who I became while I was trying to be an Olympian was was better than wrestling in the Olympics. You know, obviously it still hurts. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I I, I take I kind of take a step back and I reflect like who I become and the people that I've met and that are involved in my life. And mm -hmm. even till this day, they're still impacting my life. That's more important than than anything. You know what I mean? So setback after setback it could have easily broke people and the people could have just like done away with their dream or you know gone and done a regular job or you know got into drugs and alcohol like to me that was never an option you know what i mean and like i said it all comes back to like my mom worked so hard to for to put me in these positions wow. you know i can't give up and and look back amazing amazing brother uh, everyone listening, there's, I just want to share this, um, you know, people know my story, listen to this podcast. They know, you know, everything looked good on the outside. I'm, I'm sure you thought, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people said, Oh, we th I thought your family is perfect. In fact, I had a buddy tell me he judged his family against our family. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, sorry man that it was all it was all live but brother that's how we had i had to survive that way you know my brother yeah. had to survive that way um but there was this time and I, and I don't think you remember it but we were getting vandalized our house had like planter boxes were getting smashed in our driveway and and all sorts of stuff and i i was a senior in high school and I remember going to you and I was like, you know, find out who it is and make it stop. And I don't know if you ever did or didn't, but it eventually stopped. And for me, who always felt afraid, this is one thing that I've had to really come into, you know, I'm 6'3", 245, like I've always been a taller I was a guy, but I was like a little kid in this body until I finally faced the fear of the hurt and all the pain that I had experienced and stuff. But you, and this is what I reached out to you about, made such a massive impact because I didn't go, it, here I am living in this house with a man that was constantly hurting me, but then putting this image out and he told me to make it stop. And I have, you know, <laughs> what am I going to do? But you are the one I reached out to brother, you, yeah. and, and you, you. I don't want to get emotional right now, but you really just who you are as a man and the soul that is in your body and your purpose. And 
you just bless me, bro, more than you can ever know. I just want you to know that. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. You know what I mean? That means a lot. And that's kind of how I live every day. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a helper. I'm a giver. Um, you know, I want to share my experiences. I want to, if I can help somebody, you know, with the network of people that I know and connect, like to me, that's that's kind of why I live. You know what I mean? One, yeah, I'm a, I'm a family man. That's my number one thing, you know what I mean, in life. But, you know, I, I want to help people. You know what I mean? I want to help people. If someone needs someone, lean on us, lean on my And my wife's the same way. Like, we say it all the time. Like, people, all her friends call her all the time. You know, my wife's like the counselor. You know I mean? All her friends, and they call, and they reach out. And, and I'm the same way. You know what I mean? If somebody needs something, they're struggling with something, they know that. Uh, somehow we find the right words to say to, you know, make people uh, help them with the situation they're going through. You know what I mean? And we, it's a responsibility that we, we take serious. Amazing. Well, I want to, there's a couple of things. I, I mean, let's talk about you. You became a father of how many, how many children? I have four kids. I have a, a 19 year old. Like I said, we, we got pregnant my junior year of, actually it was our sophomore year. And this is an awesome story. Uh, my wife and I met. We were dating for three. I don't know if I told you this. We were dating for three months and she got pregnant. Mm. You know, this is when we were in junior college. And, um, you know, I got recruited and and the coach at the time, I said, hey, coach, my girlfriend's pregnant. Uh, I don't know if that changes anything in the recruitment, but I just want to be upfront and honest. And he said, do you love her? I said, yes. He said, marry her. It'll be the best thing for your wrestling. And he was right. It was, and he was right. He's on instead of, you know, being out at the bars on Friday, Saturday night, chasing girls. So I was at home with my, with my family. Wow. You know what I mean? I wasn't, wow. you know, doing all those bad, you know, social things. You know what I mean? I was at home with my family and really when I needed a break from, you know, my wife and my kid, when I was younger, I went to go train, mm. you know? So I have, yeah. And now my son, uh, He's 19, just turned 19, and he's at, you know, West Point, you know, wrestling on a, you know, full academic scholarship, one of the most prestigious schools in the country. He's over there wrestling, and he's thriving. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have two twin boys that are just turned 14, and that was another, another cool story. You know, we she got pregnant again. You know, we thought we only had one child, and then um, – she was having complications. She was having bleeding and, and we feared that she had a miscarriage, mm. you know? So she went into the doctor, you know, to get checked out, you know, and that's what we thought she had a miscarriage. And the doctor said, Oh, everything looks fine. You have two uh, embryos burrowing up there. And my wife's like, what? Wow. And she's like, yeah, you have two embryos. You're having twins. <laughs> so we went from the fear of, you know, having lost a child to now we have twins. So we're really blessed, you know, and then two boys, you know, and my boys do well. They're both nationally ranked in wrestling. You know, they put a lot of work. They follow their, uh, you know, big brother's footsteps, you know. So uh, really happy to be part of their life and, and growing in the sport. And they have the same love for the sport as I do. So it's been awesome. And then I have a daughter who will turn four in December. And really, she's the only child that's been planned. You know, so we're, <laughs> at, we're at 35, 36 years old. My wife and I were like, hey. You know, we're getting old, you know, the kids are good. Like if we're going to have another child, like now's the time, Wow. you know, so we tried and, you know, we got our daughter. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's to me, being a father, being a husband is, is all that I could have hoped for and wished for. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's everything, you know I mean? To me, how hard I work, the different things I do, like it's all to uh, provide for them, but also like lead by example you know, and, and show them the way, but also like leave a legacy. Like I think about like, I think about my kids talking to their kids and saying, Hey, grandpa did this for us. Grandpa did this. Grandpa started this. You know what I mean? You know, my son Tay at West Point wants to make a career out of it, you know, and he's going to be very successful. I want, I want to be remembered like, Hey, grandpa did this for us. You know what I mean? Or great grandpa. Like that's the legacy that I'm, working for every single day i want you know when people 20 30 40 years look back you know they think like oh man you know israel so left the legacy that's amazing that's and not amazing. a not a not a you know financial or anything like that but just like you know the yeah. you know how you speak of me how others you know stuff like that like i want people to remember me and like man that guy that guy made an impact in people's lives you know what i mean mm -hmm. he was selfless he cared and you know he worked his butt off 
There's a verse in the Bible in Proverbs that says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And you have a good name, brother. Thank you. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And there's also a verse in Proverbs that says that a good man leaveth an inheritance for his children's children. And wow. in the modern day culture that we've lived in, the word inheritance has been only about money. Yeah. But that's not the meaning of that term. Not at all. What did you inherit? You see, you inherited something from your father that was a broken, your, your birth father, your, your biological yeah. father, which was brokenness and pain and trauma. But you've taken that and broken that cycle. And now the Silva name is the inheritance that you get to pass down, not of shame, but of, of honor. And yeah. that is an inheritance that you're going to leave to your children's children, brother. And, and that's, that, that's exactly, you know, what it is and what I'm trying to do. Hmm. Um, I know you coach a lot and you've seen a lot of um, young men enter that mat in that circle and, and get after it. What, what lessons do you think? I mean, I think what coaching athletics is a, a microcosm of how I think society at large can be, you know, it's yeah. that inner battle and it's the, the integrity and all the, there's no one else to blame. You have to take full responsibility and accountability for yourself and actions. Well, what have you learned and what have you observed now coaching that humanity can take, take away? Like some lessons. Um, what do you mean? I mean, humanity can take. Like, what I mean, are some like things what, that? What are things that people are missing that you're seeing that wrestling taught you? I think the you know, with society now, the hard work, the discipline, the is gone. You know, they want the instant gratification. You know, I mean, they're working towards something, the long term goal, like you know. Hmm. something every single day and, and like i said there's gonna be uh bumps in the road there's gonna be failures of that but if you really want something like you got to stick with it you know what i mean it might you might not see the outcome for years down the road hmm. you know what i mean like i think just in my life you know i mean where i'm at right now isn't just happening right now it's the 20 years of things that i've experienced that are making me like really reflect and be like man life is very very good you know I mean, but it was all that, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, with, with, it's kind of why I got out of coaching a little bit because it's a little bit more difficult with the entitlement, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, I think with parenting too, like, I don't want to call it old school, but I'm very old school with my, with my parenting. You know I mean, not in a hard way, like harsh way, but it's like, Hey, like I'm going to hold my kids accountable. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them, why I discipline them, why it is what it is. Like I, I talk to my kids now, like, you know, my middle school kids, my boys, like, hey, be okay. And this is a tough conversation. I was like, be okay with, as you get older, losing some of the friends that you were friends with as young kids. Because as you get older, mom and I are going to like be very tough on you and stuff like that. And these other parents are going to give their 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 kids more freedom. Mm -hmm. You know I mean to experience more freedom to do like a longer leash to like you know uh, maybe try different things or or be exposed to those things. I like we've seen it. I've I've, I've spent. 15 plus years coaching. Like I know, yeah. I know what that looks like. I don't need to find out. You know what I mean, so right. through my experiences, I'm, I'm protecting you, but at the same time, you might be missing out on a school dance or a sleepover, but I'm taking you all over the country and you're competing and you're, you're around, you know, these high level athletes, world champions, Olympic champions, like see what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I have those tough conversations. Like you might feel like you're missing out on something right now as a 13, 14, 15 year old. But mm. when you're, 18, 19, and you're thriving. Um, that's kind of what I'm working for. And and now my son that's in, at West Point, he kind of talks to his little brothers. And now my son now, because we had a little, we were butting heads because everything was results. Everything was grades. Like I, I knew, like I, I never wanted to raise adult children. I don't want 25 year old living in my house. I worked too hard for that. You know what I mean? So that was one of my biggest fears and motivating factors, you know? So 
like I was very hard on my son. You know, I mean, I pushed him hard, you know, in a good way, you know, I mean, kind of, he needed to reach his potential. And now he's at West Point and, a lot, and some kids are, are getting homesick. Their parents did everything for him and we didn't do that for him. And now like the transition for him there has been easy, wow. you know, and he's communicating to his brother. He, he sent an awesome message a few weeks back. He's like, dad, he's like, boys, like, I know it's not always easy. I know it's hard. I know dad's doing this, but like, trust what he's doing, trust what he's doing because of that, you know, I'm in this situation. So for him to do that unsolicited, you know, and now, you know, we were speaking last night, you know, by text and he's like, the relationship that he has with us, like we treat him like an adult because he's proven to be an adult now. Yeah. I'm not going to treat him like a little kid, you know what I mean? So the dynamic now, like it was rough in his 15 to 18, you know, because I had to make sure he reached his potential. Now it's like I backed off and like, you know, our relationship has never been better. You know, but it was my job not to be his friend or make it easy for him growing up. My job was to make sure that he had all the, my, my wife and I too, we had, he had, we had to set him up for success, mm. you know? So when he has tough times and there will be tough times when he's over there, he's prepared for them, you know, and he can always advise and some of that. But I think that's, what's missing now in, in society and parents wow. is, you know, they don't want to be tough. They don't want to, you know, be canceled or they don't want to be, you know, right. Um, you know, their kids get mad at them. You know, I, I took my boy's phones away. I mean, because I didn't like the way that they were acting with each other. Mm. You know, I mean, they're kind of like throwing each other under the bus. They're talking crap to each other and stuff like that. So I was like, Hey, I can't have that. So it's been two weeks now where I was like, Hey, you guys, until I see you guys are able to treat each other better because that's your brother. That's yeah. going to be the brother for the rest of your life. You know I mean, yeah. don't let friends come between you guys, some of that. So, you know, and I've noticed that the behavior has changed, but most parents, you know, a day goes by, two goes day, two days go by, they're going to give them that phone back because, you know, they don't want to be, you know, mean or whatever. Like, no, we're sticking to our guns until we see that behavior change. Amazing. I love that. I love that. So, what are you up to now? What I know you're doing some work outside of wrestling. Like what, what's life like now for you? Um, I kind of, I stepped away from college coaching. I, you know, I spent 15 years coaching division one. I wanted to spend more time with my kids, you know, and I invest in so many kids that I needed to, you know, invest my, my own, you know, cause when you're a college coach, you're always competing, you're always traveling, you're, you're recruiting. So uh, I'm in the business sector. You know, I work for the largest independent moving company uh, in California, you know, and I, I moved up to the executive level, which was a blessing. You know, I got hired with no experience, you know, and it was a wrestling uh, booster friend of ours, you know, man, and he hired me and, and showed me the ropes. And in the last three years, almost three years, I've learned the business world and I'm so grateful for it. You know what I mean? I've, I've learned about, you know, forecasting KPIs, all these different things. That, and it's been awesome to learn, you know, but I same uh, effort that I had when I was competing and training, I put it into learning the business, learning the business side of it. Mm. Um, so I'm doing that, you know, but then I also work with my boys. I help out at the wrestling club, but then I also work with, uh, former UFC champion, Brandon Moreno. I'm his wrestling coach. Cool. So in January, we we're in Rio, Brazil, and uh, he won a UFC world title. Wow. Um, and I'm around him. So uh, the coaching that I do do now, it's based on what I want to do. I mean, if it if it doesn't take away from my boys, me spending time with my boys, then I'll, I'll do it. So still involved in wrestling, still, you know, get calls, you know, with recruiting, consulting, stuff like that. Still heavily involved, but not, it's not my career. Hmm. Do like, uh, you mentioned Shaw. He was my homeroom teacher also in sixth grade. And he was, those are some good men that you had pour into you early on. Absolutely. You know, like I said, coach Lowry, coach Shaw, I don't know if you remember Boyd Ballard, you know what I mean? Uh, was my high school coach and, you know, he wrestled Oregon state, you know, he was a U.S. national team member. Like I, I, credit all those guys still to this day. You know what I mean? Like every single coach, every, uh, every level that I was at, I had awesome, awesome people. You know I mean, that helped me, you know, and I, that's what I want to do. I want to give back. You know what I mean? I want, I want to open doors for other people like they did for me. Hmm. What, um, just reflecting, like, I don't want to speak 
in a negative sense about where we grew up. Um, but I also want to acknowledge that it, it was pretty rough. I mean, it's, and some people didn't make it out of that trap or that loop or, you know, what, what do you think? It was rough. I mean, there was was drugs, drugs, drugs. It it wasn't like rough, like where you're going to get like, like gang violence. It was rough in the fact that drugs were rampant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, alcohol abuse was rampant. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't even know what the statistic was, but we were planning our 20 year reunion and we did like a memorial. I think we've lost 20 plus kids, you know, yep. that we went to school. And we were at the time, we were the largest high school in the state. Yep. Yep. Um, but like drug abuse was very, very bad. Uh, alcohol, like I don't even know where our parents were because yeah. <laughs> these, yeah. we were, we were, you know, drug use during school, you know, stuff like that. And I think the best thing that I did, you know, is, as soon as I graduated, I left, yeah. you know, I graduated and I went to college and I never went back, you know what I mean? But I would say more than half of my friends, uh, had an addiction problem, you know, with, with pills, with heroin, with all these different things. I've, we've lost, you know, some, some schoolmates that we've had. It was, it was bad. And I think if I still lived there and didn't have like the ambitions or the goals that I did in the sport, most likely I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, because it's like, it's like groundhog's day. You know what I mean? There's nothing to do. There's yeah. no future. You don't have careers. You're going to do a job. You're going to kind of drown your sorrows, you know, either in a bottle or in drugs. You know what I mean? And yeah. I still, I still think it's, it's that way to this day. Yeah. I think so too. You know, so it was, it was bad. You know what I mean? And I think the, the drugs, you know, coming from Seattle and stuff like that, they, they hit Marysville pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, because it came down through Vancouver, BC, and then yeah. came through. I mean, it was kind of both. It's fascinating. I I talk about it sometimes to people. Like I grew up, it was it was rough. I mean, um, there's two two laws passed in the state of Washington based on two different people that died. You know that we grew up with, and you know there's Brady's law and there's Rachel's law, and there's like yeah. this is some intense stuff. Um, but I, I'm glad you said that about your, you know, the, the ambition, because what I've learned is, so I, I went, I went into the Bible. I went into Christianity really hard. Um, at 20, I attempted suicide and then God showed up that night and I understood God. I mean, I was raised in the church and played what I call patty cake Christianity, or it's like, I, you know, I tried my best and I'd pray to go to church, but I didn't really understand God. And when this night I tried to take my own life, drive off the bridge off the, um, on the flats going to Everett and I got cut off by the semi truck, the, the, the events that unfolded radically forever changed my life. And I started reading the Bible and I started really reading the Bible, like consuming it. And I choke around like my brain, I think broke or something happened that that night that I, that I took my seatbelt off and tried to fly through the windshield because I could, I couldn't remember what I, you know, prior to that, what I did the day before sometimes, but I could remember the Bible and it started sticking into my mind. And there's a verse that says where there's a lack of vision, people perish. And there's another verse that says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I started observing culture in that so much of the teaching is trying to go after the heart, change the heart, work with people, how they feel, you know, how do you feel about this and that, that we can give them some hope. And if they have some hope, then they can get a vision for their future. But what I realized from reading those verses is that without a vision first, we can have no hope. Yeah. And without hope, we can have, well, we only have sick hearts. And with sick hearts, we have a dying culture and dying society and dying relationships and dying family structures. And I love that you have it the forefront of your mind right now, still the legacy that you're going to leave because that's vision. Yeah. And that carries- you got to reverse engineer it. You do. That's it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I talk about what elite men's retreats now and I help men understand that. So I define the word legacy in five categories. First, our primary relationship with ourself and our spouse. Most, most men I talk to, they talk about their kids first, but if their marriage isn't solid, the family unit will fall apart eventually. 100%. 
So our relationship with our spouse, and that means men or women, you know, husband or wife. Second is our children. So we're husbands first, we're, fa- we're fathers second. We're to ra- like you're doing, raise up your children to leave and to become sovereign, strong, autonomous, well-functioning leaders into this world. Second is health, mind, body, and soul. Four, or third is health. Fourth is our careers. And most men make career their first thing and maybe their fatherhood second and maybe their marriage third. It's like, what do you do on this? But career has to be number four and keep it number four. And it's just a means by which when we get a vision for our life, like the career helps us leave that vision or reality, right? And then fifth is, and you said it so right with your boys, our friends. And I define friendship as anyone who shows you unconditional love. Yeah. And that limits <laughs> that limits the circle pretty pretty quickly, right? That shrinks yeah. the pie. Oh yeah. Yep. And as I got older, I'm content with it. That's it. You know, as I got older, yeah. I'm 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 content with my circle being small. You know, I mean, when I was coaching, I was a public figure. You had yeah. to be friends with everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to, you know, yeah. shake hands, stuff like that. Now that I've gotten away, the people that I have are kind of more not more important, but they're like higher quality of people that yeah. I lean on that we speak daily. Like yeah. I'm okay. I'm still, I have acquaintances outside, you know, obviously, but yeah, the circle that I have, I'm, I'm content being in the house Friday night, Saturday night. I'm content, you know, being with my family like that. Uh, before I was like, Oh, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Like, you know, mm-hmm. we have to be social now as where I'm at in my life. Yeah. You know, I mean that, that list and that breakdown is, who I am exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's kind of yeah. your philosophy because, you know, I'm going, like I told you, my wife and I, after three months, she got pregnant. Uh, we're going on, we were 17 year marriage right now. Amazing. And the, and the odds of, uh, you know, her getting pregnant after three months and that relationship working right. are very, very slim, very, yeah. very low. Right. We've actually been together for 20 years, but we've been married for 17. Mm. and still to this day it feels new it feels fresh like i love her i adore her like we are still in the honeymoon stage but and and when we were younger when we were struggling financially and we had to do all those things that strengthened our relationship now Mm. that we're older financially secure we appreciate all the little things. You know I mean, we don't like anything that we go through, what we went through as, as, as younger couple and, and parents is easy. We got through that part of our life. Anything that comes our way now is we can, we can handle it. That's awesome. I love it. I love it, man. Um, As we wrap here, just what are some things that, I don't know, stand out to you that you would love to impart to the audiences, things that you teach your children, things that you teach your, you know, you taught to your, your wrestlers or I don't know what, you know, what's some of your philosophy in life, brother? I think with my children, you know, we're trying our best, you know, and, and we have the right intentions, but many times I've told them like, Hey, I'm sorry. I probably didn't handle it that, the, that the right way. Mm. Yeah, man. So I've, I've gone to them many times and like, Hey, I thought I was, you know, doing it the right way. Maybe I got a little emotional, maybe this, like, you know, I'm sorry for that, mm. you know? So showing them that I'm not too prideful to admit yeah. You know, when I've messed up, even as their father yeah. has been big, you know, or to my wife, you know what I mean? So that that's something to that I, I do often, you know what I mean? I'm not perfect. You know, I know I've been painting an awesome picture of my life. You know I mean, no, and it is awesome, no but yeah, yeah. I, I've made mistakes along the way, you know, and then um, really helping people, you know what I mean? Like, I always try to connect people, you know, I might be really good friends with this person. And then this person, I was like, if there's a way I can connect people and stuff like that and, and, and build our network and help this business person with this or anything like that, like I, I try to build my network with my network. Mm, that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Brother, I love you, man. I just, I just, just honored, man. I just feel like, I feel like, We've been hanging out for a long time, you know, but it's yeah. such a beautiful thing to connect and 
Uh, I look forward to seeing you and giving you a massive hug because that's what yeah, I want to do is give you. Uh, I told you I'll be I'll be in Dallas, you know, these next couple months, and no doubt about it, I'm going to give you a call. We're going to connect. You know what I mean? I so I'm I looking forward you. to it. I've I've always considered you a friend, close friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever you know happened in your life or whatever, like that to me, none of that matters. You know what I mean? Like, um, you could always lean on me. You know I mean, call, you know I mean? Bounce ideas, call whatever. And and I'll do the same. Thank you. Always, always brother. Thank you. And thanks for coming on. It means a lot, man, that you've made time and, and thank your wife for me because I know what she's holding it down, but I, I appreciate it, brother. No, she's a, she's a saint. You know I mean? She's awesome. She's, she's a beautiful person. And, I wouldn't be where I'm at without my wife, 100%. My wife, you know, just another, you know, she put her career on hold, you know, for my career, my ambitions of wrestling the Olympics, my ambitions of coaching, you know, and early on in my coaching career, she, you know, I was getting, I wanted to go take other opportunities. I mean, we, we lived in Idaho, Tennessee, Oregon, South Dakota, Montana, Virginia, and then California. Wow. And I just kept wanting to like advance my coaching career. Yeah, And my wife, you know, I said, Hey, I'm thinking about this job. You know, what do you think? The very first time I ever thought about it, my wife said, I don't care where we go. As long as the family's together, I will support your decision. Beautiful. From that day on, we've never looked back. Amazing. Amazing brother. Well, God bless you. And how, how can people all, you know, I'm going to put your Instagram um, in the chat so people can reach out and, and, uh, I hope everyone listening to this just sends this brother love because he's a good man and he's in he's making a massive impact with other men in the world. So thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you. Well, brother Israel, thank you again for coming on, man. You're a blessing in my life. And I know this is going to bless a lot of people just hearing your story, hearing your heart. Brothers and sisters, wherever you are watching or listening around the world, it is time right now that what this world is insane. We all can acknowledge that. However, the external world has very little to do with our choice to go internal and do the work on ourselves, to fight, to face that which we're afraid to face. You know, it takes a lot of courage to get on a mat and wrestle another man and who another powerful force attacking. Well, there is a powerful force inside you that is actually keeping you from who you want to become. And it's fear and it's shame and it's guilt. And it's all those memories that you don't want to face. But until you go back and go within and face that, which you have yet to face, you won't be free. You won't be able to step into the fullness of your power, your purpose, and your calling. Just like Israel has had to face those things in his life. All of us would get to face those things in our own. So I bless you on your journey of freedom. I'm so honored to have you on this journey with me and brother Israel. Thank you again for coming on. Everyone, I love you. I am Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.